The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. He is risen. There we go. You guys are good at that. Let's just do it again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, good Easter morning to you all. A couple things before we get started. The first is to let you know where we're going from here. Uh, We have been in the book of Ecclesiastes, and for some of you, that has been really fun. For some of you, that has been agonizing. And I just want you to know that, uh, that we are moving on to Philippians. So um, I will tell you, even preaching through it, there, there is, it's heavy. It's, you're, you're carrying this, this thought of the shortness of life. And we did that over eight weeks. So um, we made it. We did it. For you who, who loved it, go back and listen to it again. <laughs> For you who, like me, are ready to get to Philippians, um, that sermon series will be called Joy in the Middle. Joy in the Middle. It is about finding joy in whatever circumstance you're in. Paul wrote that letter when he was in prison. And he talks, the whole, you'd expect Paul in prison to be someone who's, who's like, uh, you know, why me? Why here? Why now, God? But he just overflows the whole time his joy that he finds in God, the joy that he finds in Christian fellowship and remembering his brothers and sisters. And so we're actually taking 18 weeks to get through the book of Philippians, and I'm very excited. We also have baptisms at the end of the service today, and so you'll get to to share in that. We're going to start with the prayer of confession like we do as always today. The way I want to guide your hearts as we go into that is on Friday night, we remembered the death and burial of Jesus. And this morning, we celebrate his resurrection. I think what we don't always do well when we remember the death and burial of Jesus is that we also needed to be buried with Christ. We think of it as his thing, but we also need to think about it as our thing. And so many of us are probably still wrestling with resurrection life ourselves because we want to live in his life, but we don't want to die in his death, right? We're going to be talking about that today. So what I want us to do today as we come with our prayer of confession is what needed to be left in the tomb with Jesus? And let's just leave it there as we begin to look at his resurrection. Amen? Okay, so it takes just some moments and think about, man, what do I need to leave in the tomb with Jesus so we can start thinking about his resurrection together? And then I'll pray for us. Father, we pray this morning that you will 
help us understand again, maybe some of us for the first time, maybe some of us just again, what it means to be invited into the full gospel, which isn't just that we get to live with you, but we first get to die with you so we can live with you, that, that our old self, the one that we keep tripping over, the one we we're so frustrated by it when we see rear its ugly head and wonder, wow, that's in me, that that gets to be sealed in the tomb and we get to experience freedom and life in the resurrection of Jesus. That's good news. And I pray that it will be good to us this morning. We'll find the freedom that is there in Jesus. I praise in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Isn't it the worst when people don't listen to you? Amen? <laughs> I asked my wife last night, can you think of a specific example <laughs> of a time that I did not listen to you? And she, being the loving, godly wife that she is, was gentle with me. And she said, it's not that you don't listen, it's that you have selective hearing. Literally what she said. <laughs> and she went on to elaborate, but I won't give you all the dirty details. Selective hearing. We all have selective hearing. We hear what we want to hear, right? We hear what's important to us, and we conveniently ignore the rest. When we read the gospel story, when we read the story of the disciples' life with Jesus, and then post-resurrection, we, we find the disciples like us with selective hearing. They think they're all in, but there are parts of the teachings of Jesus, parts that they don't like that they conveniently leave out. One of the parts that they don't like is, <laughs> this is a big part, one of the parts they don't like is God's plan for salvation, <laughs> which is, why Jesus came. But let me just read you examples through the book of Mark where you get God's plan and you get the disciples' reaction and it is sad and humorous the difference between the two. Mark 8, 31 to 32. It says, Jesus then began teaching them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and raised on the third day again. God's plan of salvation. Verse 32, he spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> they have different plans here. Mark 9, 30 to 32, they left that place, passed through the Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. It was just this, this one on 12 time and he said to them, the son of man is being delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him doesn't end there. There's good news. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing what we see in how clearly Jesus stated his intention both to die and to rise again, and yet they just could not get past the death part. Mark 10, 32 to 34. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished. 
while those who followed were afraid. (laughs) That's where they were at. And again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen. We're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests, teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him. Three days later, he will rise. John 14 1 and 2, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And then lastly in John 16, I love this. Jesus says, I came from the Father, entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. And the disciples say, now you are speaking clearly without figures of speech. And in their, their mind, they're like, none of this death stuff. If you just stopped it, you're going back to the Father. That would be good. I don't like this death stuff. But then Jesus continues, knowing his plan and that they do not like his plan, says this, Do you now believe a time is coming and in fact has come when you'll be scattered each to your home and you will leave me alone, yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. The point is this, Jesus makes the plan of salvation plain to the disciples, but they do not think it's a good plan. They just don't like it. And so, though he's prepared them, though he has said, I'm going to die and I will rise from the dead, when it happens, when the crucifixion happens, they all leave because they had selective hearing. We like this stuff about you being reigning king. We like this stuff about you, you know, making a way home for us. We love that. But once he starts talking about his death, they can't even hear the resurrection part. I want us to remember that when we wake up on Easter morning and we think, he's risen, they woke up and they thought, he's dead. Now, it becomes pretty humorous then how this selective hearing, how this obstinance and inability to believe Jesus impacts their reaction to the resurrection. Because again, we, Easter morning, we're like, he's risen, and you're like, he's risen indeed. yeah, right? He's risen indeed. We're like into it, but that is not what happens. In Luke 24, it, it, it is so sad, it's comical, the way that They are reminded, there's three stories, three resurrection stories in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. It's just, it's funny how they're reminded. The first one starts with the woman coming to the tomb, and they're coming to honor Jesus. And when they get there, they're alarmed because there's these two men, these two angels there instead of Jesus' body. And what the angel says to them points back to what God, what Jesus had already told them, which was this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you? (laughs) And they thought, he's dead. But the angels seem confused by why they're there. It's obviously a rhetorical question, but when they came, they're like, why are you here? Remember what Jesus has already said to you. It just seems like you've forgotten it. Now, the second story is this. 
the road to Emmaus. The second resurrection story, you get two people walking along the road, and they are troubled. That's what it says. They're troubled by the events that have happened, and they're talking amongst themselves. And Jesus kind of saddles up beside them, and he says this, what are you discussing together? And they say this, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened? That's hilarious. He was the one it was happening to. Are you the only one who's like, well, let me tell you a story when I was on the cross. No, this is what he says, what things? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Are you the only one? You know, it's like, it's, this is no relationship. It's funny though, because sometimes when people see me preach, I get done and they're like telling me about the sermon and they're like, you kind of look familiar. It's just this lack of like awareness sometimes of like, like Jesus was there on the cross and then he's, he's walking beside them and like, you just have no clue. You have no clue <laughs> what things happened. And so they, in their minds, unpack the reality of the story, which is what? What is the story? He's dead. That is the full story for them at this time. And Jesus comes in hot. Verse 25 how foolish you are and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter glory? How foolish are you? Imagine, they're just like broken up about it. And Jesus, what does he say? Guys, you're being idiots. Like, remember, he told you that you were prepared, but their selective hearing did not allow them to hear what was happening. This is not just the story, this story of Jesus is not just the story of Christmas and Easter. What Jesus tells them is it is the story of the entire Bible. He goes on after he says, you know, the Messiah had to suffer these things. He goes on and he says he begins with Moses and the prophets and he explained throughout the whole scripture concerning himself. He's like, no one, no one should be surprised what's happening here. And just like the women went back and told the disciples who did not believe, they go back and they communicate it also. It is really true, is what they go back and they tell. But still, there is a lack of belief. And so we get our third resurrection story, which is when they're sitting around talking about Jesus, and Jesus shows up among them and he says, Peace be with you. And they are scared. And he says this to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Why is there this persistent unwillingness to believe Jesus? Now, I think oftentimes we think, man, if I could have just walked with him, I would believe him, right? Not true. The disciples walked with him. They didn't believe him. If I could have just seen him after he rose from the dead, see him crucified and then see him rise from the dead, then I would believe. Not true. <laughs> because they see him and they still do not believe. And I think we find this in ourselves. We literally get to read the whole Old Testament 
the law, the prophets, the Psalms. We get to see what they say about Jesus. We get to see Jesus walk through the Gospels. We get to see his life, then his death, and then his resurrection. And then the powerful movement of the Spirit through Acts. And still we are troubled and don't know how to believe it. I think even many of us who say, I I am a follower of Jesus, look at our lives, and we see an absence of the resurrection power of God in our lives. We're still troubled in some ways by the message. Why is that? And I think in part because we still have selective hearing. We take it in parts. Now after the resurrection, what we try to do is we try to take the resurrection life of Jesus without sharing in the crucifixion of Jesus ourselves. And this is what Jesus says. Letting us know ahead of time what would be asked of us if we would choose to follow him. Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is what he's told us. (laughs) But we want the cross, we want the, we want, sorry, we want the crown of victory, of resurrection victory, without ever sharing the cross of Jesus. Paul understood this, and he says this, I want to know Christ. And him wanting to know fully Christ said this, I want to know the power of his resurrection and their participation of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so to somehow attain the resurrection of the dead. A.D.B. Tozer said this, In every Christian heart, there is a cross and a throne, and the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding, the worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of our man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with the pride of Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. It's a hard word to accept. It's a hard word to accept. But I offer this word to you because I think many of us come to Easter and we say, he has risen indeed, and yet we walk away and we do not experience resurrection life. We walk away and we do not experience resurrection power. We are still spiritually troubled and experiencing so many defeats. And so this is my question to you. Have you had selective hearing about the plan of salvation? Have you wanted to share the resurrection power of God, but you have not yet been buried with Christ? Romans 5, 6, and 7 says this, For if we have been united with Christ in his death, we will certainly be united with Christ in his resurrection. This is all I'm saying, right? You might be like, I don't believe what you're saying. Like, this is literally what it says in Romans, right? If we are united with Christ in his death, we will be certainly united with Christ in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Some of you aren't 
waiting resurrection, you are still waiting to die. There's too much self in there. This is what Tozer goes on to say. We have it among professing Christians this strange ingenuity to seek our own interest under the guise of seeking God. We talk a lot about the deeper life and the spiritual victory and becoming dead to ourselves, but we stay very busy rescuing ourselves from the cross. That part of ourselves that we rescue from the cross may be a very little part, but it is likely to be what causes our spiritual troubles and our spiritual defeat. Paul, who experienced this life in Christ, this life that many of us read and we say, I want to know Christ like Paul knew Christ, explains this life to us in this way. Galatians 2.20. This is it, guys. I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Do you want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus? Well, first, go through the process of losing your life so you can find it in him. Be crucified with Christ and no longer live so that Christ will live in you. That the life you now live in the body, you can live by faith in the Son of God and you can trust him fully with your whole being because he loved you and he gave himself for you. And he did not just prove that by dying for you, but rising from the dead and inviting you to in that, into that resurrection life. So how do we do that? How do we die with Christ? And the answer is really simple. Jesus says this at the end of Luke when he's talked to them through their doubt. He says this, reminding them of the gospel, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. This is how you die to yourself. You repent. <laughs> Literally, you give it up. You let go of yourself. You step off the throne of your heart. You see Jesus take the throne, and you make it all about him. Repenting means to turn away and turn to. You turn away from the life you've lived, the life of self, and you turn to Jesus, saying, you are now my all in all. Are you trying to experience the resurrection without first experience the dying? It's impossible. But if you die with Christ, you will gloriously, gloriously live with him. That's the invitation of Easter Sunday. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, I'm really challenged by the, what Tozer said in one of his sermons. Uh, it could just be a little part of ourself that we're holding on to. But that little part of ourself, like the disciples, will make us fear your plan, not love it. Will make us hold on to our five-year, ten-year plans. Will make us hold on to something and wonder why isn't that freedom mine? When I when I sing the song, "There's power in the blood," there's power. Why am I not experiencing that power, God? And, and I, I pray that you will 
reveal us to ourselves, God. You'll show us things that we do need to repent of, things we need to just put, put in your hands. We'll be crucified with Christ. Experience the joy of no longer living for ourselves, but living in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. God, show us the way again. Help us hear what you're saying and obey it. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to respond in a couple of ways. If you would like to be prayed for, Ibrahim is right over here, um, hiding behind the wood that you can be prayed for if you'd like. And taking communion, remembering on the night Jesus was betrayed and he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, taking the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. If you have shared in the life of Christ and the death of Christ, we invite you to take communion with us and also worship him together.